Okay, how many of you here today are going on a summer missions trip? Nice, 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 nice. Well, then this lesson is super applicable for you. Um, have you ever heard of the five love languages? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, French, Italian, Spanish. No, no. Like the five, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what any of them are? Quality time is one. Words of affirmation. Physical affection. Gifts. Acts of service. Okay, yeah. So basically, years ago, these people came up with, there's basically five ways that you can feel like affirmed. And some people feel feel me feel more affirmed by words of affirmation. Like if I come up and be like, oh my gosh, that was a great job. That would mean a lot more to you than if I came up and said, like, here's a present. Um, Some of you want quality time. Like you just want people to invest in you and to spend time with you. Some people like gifts. One of my kids, like that's, if you give her a gift, she feels so affirmed. Um, Acts of service. If you do something for somebody, it makes them feel good. And others are physical touch. And the reason it's kind of important to know kind of what makes you feel good or what the person you're dating likes or whatever is because (laughs) a lot of times, I'll just wait. When you guys are done, let me know. Okay, cool. Um, A lot of times we assume everybody likes the same thing we do, right? I am a words of affirmation person. I would much rather have somebody come up and be like, yo, that was awesome, than somebody come up and like, give me a present or give me a back rub. My husband is a physical touch person, which means when he does something good, I can be like, oh, that was great. And he'll be like, meh. I can be like, you want a back rub? He'll be like, oh yeah, that would be great. So it's important to know what different people like. And it's also important to see, oh, that's nice, that um, God created us all really different. All right, here's an example. Your family or your friends say, I will either watch TV or a movie with you, or I'm gonna go watch you play a sport or um, watch your show. Which would you prefer? Hands up if you prefer TV or movie. Interesting. And hands up if you'd rather have people go watch you like perform in a show or play a sport. Movie, really? (laughs) Okay, okay. But that's the difference between like quality time and um, I don't know, it's supposed to seem the quality of time to me. Okay, so God made us all different. So, um, God also made us really different to be good at different things. Do you have any friends or anything that have an ability that you think is really cool that you don't have? You can do a handstand. That is pretty cool. What do you have? Oh, good at school. Yeah, I don't have that ability. Um, um, do you have? Do you know someone who has like a talent or an ability that you admire but you don't have? What? Yeah, no, that I don't have that one either. Emma Davis. Yes, I don't have the Emma Davis ability either. Or what? You know? Do you want to? Can sing opera, Nate. That's true. That's true. Words of, see, right? Right. 
Okay, so I have, like, my husband can fix anything. Like, literally, if something is broken, all the kids are like, Dad, Dad. Like, when he calls, when the kids call him, he's like, what's broken? I can't. And getting stuff at yard sales. If there's ever anything you need for cheap, let me know. He will find it. It's crazy, crazy. My best friend can walk into a room and be like, if you move that lamp there and, like, move that picture there and move that four inches, it'll totally change the look of the room. Or she can walk into a store. Like, I had her go shopping with me. I was speaking at an event one time, and I'm like, I need something to wear. And she walked into the store, and she went this. And I'm like, mm, no. She's like, yeah. I put it on, I'm like, dang, yeah. Like, some people just have that ability. Another ability I do not have. But what's so cool is that's what makes up the body of Christ, right? We're all like different things. We're all good at different things. We all bring stuff to the table. All of us bring stuff to the table. You may look at yourself and be like, yeah, I really don't bring anything to the table. But you do. You really do. Um, So today I want to talk about how God wants us to use the abilities and the gifts he's given us. So when Jesus was on earth, he hung out with 12 guys basically, right? So then when I was writing this, I was seeing if I could name all 12 of them without looking it up. I got 11. So I want to see if as a group, you guys can come up with all 12 of the disciples' names. Just name. Okay, wait. Peter? Yep. Matthew? Who else? Well, Simon Peter is the same guy. Mark? If you think of the Gospels, you can get four. Judas? Good. John? Luke? James. Actually, actually, there's two Jameses. That can be, you said James, James. So yeah, so yeah, they call one either Big James and Little James or James the Greater and James the Lesser, which is kind of disappointing for the other guy. Okay, so there is another guy who, his name is Judas, but he also went by Thaddeus. So it's a little, because like in some books they call him Judas, some Thaddeus, which people will be like, look, there's more than 12. And actually, Matthew is called Matthew in some books and Levi in some books, which can also throw you. Um, So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter. This is who you've come up with. Simon Peter, yeah. Um, Judas, who else? There's not. Simeon was the priest who was like, I'm going to see the Messiah before I die. Yeah. Um, Okay, there was one who's considered the, yes, Andrew's one. There was one who's considered the doubter. Thomas, excellent. Okay, so we have Thomas, Matthew, James, and James. Um, You said John, you said Andrew, you said Peter. Um, Ooh, here, this is the one I forgot too. Um, His name starts with a P. Yes, Philip. Okay, here's like bonus question. After Judas died, they replaced him. Who did they replace him with? Dang, yes, Matthias. Good one. Okay. He, well, he, yeah, I mean, yeah, he did. Okay, here's what's kind of interesting. These 12 disciples, most likely only one of them died of old age. Which one? John. <laughs> so close. It does start with a J. Um, John. How were the other ones, why did the other ones not die of old age? He was crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be martyred the same way Christ died. That's true. That was Daniel. And then he lived. Because remember, that's the whole point of the story. Like, the angels came and, like, shut the lion's mouth. But, yeah, that that did happen. 
Okay, so I'm going to go through really quick. Thomas was martyred with a spear. Matthew martyred with a sword. Big James was beheaded. John died naturally. Other James was stoned. Andrew was crucified. Peter was crucified upside down. Philip was whipped and crucified. Bartholomew was beheaded. Thomas was possibly died of old age, but tradition says he was martyred with an axe. Um, oh, here's the other one we forgot. Simeon, um, Simon the Zealot. We've, so who, you did say Simon. Yeah. So Aunt Betty, do you know what a zealot is? Yeah, so a zealot is like the Mossad. They are like fighting. They're the Israelites who are fighting against the Romans, like secret police and all. But he became one of Jesus' followers. He actually was cut in half. And then we know Judas, he didn't make it too well. And you read this, huh? And I don't know which way I top right. <laughs> I don't know. Um, when I read this, that like 11 of the 12 were killed for their faith, why would I find this encouraging? Huh? <laughs> okay, these guys were most likely your age when they started following Christ. And the reason I can say that is so in the Jewish tradition, at the age of five and six, everyone would start going to Torah school. And you'd start learning the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? And you would study it, and you would study it, and you would study it. So by the age of 12 or 13, you would most likely have almost all of it memorized, completely memorized, the first five books of the Bible, right? After that, by the age of 15, if you showed promise, like, oh, man, you could totally become a rabbi, you got to continue your teaching, right? A rabbi would come up and say, I want you to follow me. Interesting, right? No, it's true. They would come up, and then that 15-year-old would go and study for up to 15 more years with this rabbi so that they, too, could become a rabbi. Now, when we look at the disciples, were any of them in rabbi school? No. So basically, they were all like rabbi dropouts. They didn't make the cut. We also know that when they went into the temple, in those days, if you were 20 years old or older, when you entered the temple, you had to pay a two-shekel temple tax. Well, when the disciples went to the temple, Peter was the only one who had to pay the tax. Peter and Jesus, saying the other 11 were under the age of 20. So they were somewhere between the ages of probably 15, 16, and 20. They lived with Jesus basically for three years, and yet... They all knew so well that he was the Messiah, they died for their faith. That's incredible to me that you're at your age, God chose them. And he chose not the ones who were in the rabbi school. This rabbi, Jesus, came up and said, follow me, follow me. And they knew what that meant because that was the tradition of the time, right? And he chose the people that the rabbis didn't choose. And really, it was the rabbis and the other teachers, the Pharisees and all, who didn't like Jesus, right? So I think that's so cool and encouraging that if at your age, someone came up and said like, is Jesus really the Messiah or you'll die? These people believed it. Like they knew that they knew that they knew. Like as sad as it is that so many of them, almost all of them died for their faith, it's encouraging to me that it was real. Like in those days when I'm like, really? Like, life sucks. This is really legit. Like, God, is all this true? I can look back at things like this and be like, man, they knew that they knew that they knew. And I find that super encouraging. 
Okay. Um, also, the disciples were super different from each other. So you have Simon the Zealot, right? Who, like, basically was undercover, like, killer guy. And yet Jesus chose him to follow. You have Matthew, or Levi, the tax collector. He was called Matthew and Levi because he was called Levi when he was, like, basically at work. Because Matt, as a tax collector, he was a Jew who collected taxes from his fellow Jews to give to the Romans. He was not a popular person. Imagine the conversation sitting around like the fires when you have all these different personalities. You have Andrew, who his thing, he was a disciple of John the Baptist, so he was like all team John the Baptist. You have Bartholomew, who like totally, totally was into the law and studying the faith. And then you have Judas, who, yes, he totally sold out Christ, but he also must have been relatively trustworthy initially because they put him in charge of all the money. He was the one that they said, you're in charge of all our money. We're going to give all the money to you. You take care of making sure we have food, we have housing, we have clothing. These are the people that Christ chose, that he brought together to further his kingdom. Like, I find that so encouraging. So as we go out on our mission trips, all of you guys bring stuff to the table. God is bringing all of us together to work as one body, right? So there's two of the disciples are brothers. Do you know which two? Yeah, what? You want to? James and, yeah, James and John, okay? James and John were brothers. There is. No, so there's, pro- they were cousins. I don't think any of Jesus' brothers were disciples, but his cousins, James and John were his cousins. Okay, and they also had a nickname. Do you know what James and John's nickname was? Sons of Thunder. Another reason I think they were probably teenagers, because they were always looking to, like, stir things up and get things going. Like, there was one time when they went into a city, and, like, the people totally rejected Jesus, and they're like, oh, should we, like, ask God to, like, rain fire down on them? This is probably why they got the nickname Sons of Thunder. They were going extreme. Okay, so they're cousins with Jesus. So they, the 12 weren't the only ones that followed Jesus from place to place, right? We know that there were some women that followed along. We know um, that there were other people that followed along. And so James and John, another person that followed was their mother, right? I can't really imagine that. Like, I'm coming too. Um, so she came and followed along also, right? And so she got this great idea. The 12 disciples, had an idea. they believed Jesus was the Messiah, right? They're like, you are the Messiah. But they thought that the Messiah's job was to come kick Rome out of Israel and, like, make Israel, Jerusalem, like, all about the Jews. So they were really confused when Jesus kept healing people and teaching people. And they're like, when is he going to, like, I mean, Simon the Zealot, can you imagine? He was probably like, let's go, let's go, let's go. They were really confused why he kept doing nice things and not, like, getting the Romans out including James and John's mom. So she was stirring the pot. She was saying, James and John, like, your family, when he becomes king, like, you guys should totally like, be right up there at the top. And it actually says in Matthew 20, it says that the mother of Zebedee's sons, who are James and John, came to Jesus with her sons, come on, boys, knelt down before him, and Jesus said, what is it that you want? They said, grant that one of my sons gets to sit at your right hand and one at the left hand once you establish your kingdom. That's pretty bold. I mean, I know it's his aunt, but still, 
Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink from the cup that I'm going to drink? And they say, oh yeah, we can. And Jesus says, you will indeed drink from the cup. But to sit at my right hand and my left hand, that's not for me to decide. That place belongs to those who God has already chosen. They missed the whole thing. And that's encouraging to me too, that they could be walking and spending day and night for years with Jesus and still miss stuff. Like it makes you feel good when I miss stuff. When I read the Bible, I'm like, yeah, I don't get that. I thought you had to have faith like a child and I don't even understand what that verse means. It's encouraging that these people who lived with Jesus, there were times they didn't get it. We all want people to like notice and recognize when we do something right. When we put in time and effort, when we use our abilities, it's really frustrating not to get acknowledged for our good deeds, right? So this summer when we're serving, let's try to make it our goal not to do it in order to receive something. Um, if I receive thought, um, praise and recognition, that's great. But if we don't, let my motivation of serving others be enough. And I say that not lightly, because that's not easy. Question, do you think it's wrong to desire greatness? All right, wrong to turn it into arrogance. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. How do you get to that greatness? And right, is it all-consuming? Yeah, or is it just your desire? Um, Jesus was didn't criticize James and John or their mom for asking. Instead, he basically said, "You don't know what you're asking. Like you're you're totally asking the wrong thing." He said. Instead, he says, "You need to become a servant." When you think of servant, what do you think of? A worker. A waiter, that's good. Because as a waiter, as a waiter, what's the waiter's job basically? To bring the food, to take the order, to take care of the customer, right? To do like the customer's always right kind of thing. They're not, but that's the attitude is to serve. I know they're totally not, but um, Jesus said, if we want to become leaders, we must become servants. He said, we actually must become slaves to Christ, to be completely obedient to him. And I know that has such a negative connotation, um, but basically it means anything that Christ wants are we willing to do. Can you think of a time when you did something for someone and no one acknowledged it? How did it make you feel? When you were born, <laughs> I'm sure they acknowledged it, you just don't remember. I don't like it. When I do something, I like to get like a good job. I like to be like, yeah, she did that. It's hard. I think it's really hard and it's frustrating. All right, we're gonna go back to James and John for a second. When the other disciples heard that James and John had asked this, they were really pissed off. It says they became indignant and were like, who are you to ask that you get to sit at Jesus right and left? Have you ever been in a situation when you wanted something, like there's one thing left and you really want it, but you hold off and somebody else gets it? Whether it's a job or a cookie or a, like, right? How's that make you feel? You don't like it or you don't, it makes you angry? 
Yeah, I think it can be really hard not to be acknowledged for what you do. Okay, here's a really good question. And this is one, and again, that's applicable to this summer. Do you think it's possible to serve someone or participate in some kind of ministry with entirely pure motives? No desire for recognition, or, uh, totally pure motives. Do you think it's possible? But just because we all have sin doesn't mean everything we do is sin. No, I agree with you. What do you think? I mean, I think more often than not, we don't do it with pure motives. What do you think? Hard but not impossible? Yeah, I was going through it. My initial reaction was definitely not. Like, there's no way. The only time I could think of when it might happen is almost when we react to help someone as opposed to plan to help someone. Like, let's see, you see a kid getting ready to be hit by a car. Without thinking, you run and, like, move the kid out of the way. My motivation wasn't like, hey, did you see I just saved that kid? My motivation was, oh, my gosh, like, I got to save that kid. And I think when we get out of our own mind and serve something or help someone, our motivation is probably as pure as it's going to get. But I would agree that most of the time when we go to serve someone, there's, we have more motives behind it. But that's okay. So this summer, as we go out to serve, as we go to Alaska, as we go, I don't know where, yeah, where the other groups are going, but as they go where they go, I want us to really have a heart that desires to serve and use the gifts and abilities that God has given you because you guys all have gifts and abilities. And I am excited to see what they are and how God's going to use them. Um, Let me close in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for the plans and the purposes you have for everyone here. I thank you for the gifts and abilities you've given everyone here. Lord God, I lift up especially the seniors to you right now. Surround them with your presence. Increase their wisdom. Bless them and protect them as they go out. And watch over all of us as we head off to different places this summer, whether it's work family vacation or doing nothing or summer school or going to Alaska, whatever it is, Lord God, help us to put you first. In the name and the power of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.